This is The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. The Soul's Intent is a show that boldly claims that it can help reveal where you are on the spiritual path. Learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom. Listen, and in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice. This is The Soul's Intent, and now here's your host, Ernie Vecchio. Is your soul in a prison? Is your heart living in a dark place? Do you have burdens that your family and your friends just can't help you with? Have you come to the end of your tether? If so, you are against the bars of the cage hitting the edge of your beliefs. And fear had to construct this prison in the first place. At first, it was a uh, kind of an act of self-protection, but now it inhibits you. There's a mantra in the show tonight, a spiritual mantra, and that is bring my soul out of prison that I may know love. I'm going to say that again. Bring my soul out of prison that I may know love. Doing that is making a commitment to your heart's intent, which is to point to what is true versus what's right or wrong. Just know this, that the warden of this prison is the personal and collective ego. Not only do you have the keys to get out of this prison, but you possess this inner navigational ability for the truth to set you free. The original title of this show was, um, is the ego a protector or uh, or is it a warden? And of course, by the end of the show, I hope people are going to realize that's a little bit of both. That mm. uh, that we, we literally construct the this cage of self-protection in the beginning, which we would call ego or personality, to, you know, to kind of shore up what we believe and think and feel about the world around us and kind of and kind of bring in a, a light and a television and a couch and kind of live there <laughs> and uh, mm-hmm. and that and that room uh uh which becomes the you know the core of our kind of inner life so to speak um in the beginning serves a self-protective kind of um kind of use if you will but then as we grow up and grow out into the world and even move inward in that growth, then that that small space that we have constructed now becomes just that. It becomes very constrictive and and prison-like. We have this existential crisis of, am I free or am I in prison? And just exactly what does my freedom look like? And so in joining me tonight, as always, my co-host Irma Francis. This really just um, hits me in a very, very personal way because as ego, as protector and or warden or combination of, of both of those, it is a sense of being kind of trapped within oneself and it's understandable maybe at a certain point in one's life that they they feel they need to um, use the ego as protector and not even knowing that they're just doing it out of protection. But as we do that to protect ourselves, we not only lock our others out, but we lock ourselves in for our own good and ends up just just trapping us. When I thought about that, I thought, well, if we stay trapped in that place of self-protection and it does become a trap or a prison, there's no vulnerability that can be experienced in that. And to me, a life without vulnerability is um, would be very limited, very shallow, um, and without... Um, feeling because I I don't know that I can get into a feeling place without vulnerability. Mm -hmm. So that's one thing that really came up strongly for me. Of course, it's important to say, and we were talking about this off the air, it's important to say that the reason we construct 
the uh, this cage of self-protection is for psychological reasons. It doesn't do anything for the soul and spirit of who we are. In fact, it constricts it more than ever, but it gives us the original illusion of protecting it. We don't realize that until we're in the cage long enough and we're not getting any oxygen to the soul and spirit of who we are. And, uh, and keep in mind, soul and spirit in this context is that above observer witness that is the energy that animates your body as well as your feeling reaction to life as it is instead of life as it should be. So what we end up becoming in this container uh, is an emotional, psychological animal. And uh, But we don't do that originally uh, because we're shoring up the, the boundaries of our lives to try to protect us from any more emotional unrest, so to speak. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so that's part of the trick that the, that the ego plays is, is that it gives us the illusion that we are shoring up our emotional self and not even kind of understanding that at the same time we're doing that, we're shoring up our spiritual and, and soulful self, so to speak. And so, mm-hmm. and so it's developmental, Irma. I mean, it makes perfect sense that we would do this in adolescence and then uh, get some kind of idea of who we think we are and then go out into the world and experiment with with what we think that is, and then come back uh, as we become young adults and kind of revamp uh, revamp the ideas and the beliefs. And so the what's being sold in the empowerment movement and some of the, the inspirational speaking movements is, is that you can somehow uh, take those bars and literally just kind of convince yourself that they're not there <laughs> and that you mm-hmm. can or, or that there's some trick uh that that they're that these bars are an illusion when in actuality they're not personality and ego structure um is built upon real experiences real time uh real pain uh and put up in place because they work in fact they don't even get to be considered a bar on the cage unless the defense works. And so so what we're really doing, I think, over time is learning that uh, when we collapse the cages, so to speak, is, is that the defenses are no longer necessary, but we can't take them down until we trust. Mm-hmm. So we have to we have to kind of walk through the fear that made us construct the bar to begin with. And if we look at that very closely, it's typically, you know, past tense. It doesn't fit the present. And um, and so it, it takes some reality testing. It takes some clarity, some observation, some inner dialogue, and certainly some self-reflection. Um, and and then the bars uh, begin to uh, to move out of the way, so to speak. And then and then you can walk through your fears very carefully. But uh, but it's a process. It isn't some abrupt collapsing. Unless you've undergone a severe trauma, and that certainly is an mm-hmm. opportunity because a severe trauma will make a door in that cage. That trust is is a big thing, um, and sometimes I think we can get a little um, off our our path by thinking that trust has to do with something out in the world or people in the world or safety is out in the world or connected to people in the world. And it it really, we have to create that inner safety to order in order to start letting those bars down. And Mm -hmm. I totally agree that they can't all come down at once. And yes, of course, um, extreme trauma would collapse those bars, but if you don't, uh, if you haven't experienced an extreme trauma, 
if if a person were to just if we had the ability to just drop those bars all at once, I don't know that we could handle it. <laughs> I don't know yeah. that we could handle that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's 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 developmental. So I mean, it's like making a quantum leap. And certainly, you can make you can make a shift in perspective, which a lot of people think is a quantum leap, but uh, but it's just a little game that you that you play on the ego because ego doesn't make quantum leaps. Um, you can you can do thought stopping, you can do reprogramming, you can uh, learn to cope, you can learn some tricks and some catchphrases that'll that'll help you get up every day and and affirm your uh, your process. But all that really is is just a little game you're playing with your own ego to keep you on course. And uh, sadly, it isn't growing you spiritually. And it certainly isn't bringing any oxygen to your soul. And so this is the this is part of the dilemma: is is that what the soul's intent is about is a is a is a talk show, and what the soul's intent is about is a philosophy. Is is that you have to accept one very specific absolute, and that is, I am a spiritual being having psychological experiences. Mm-hmm. And and once you make that realization. You no longer have to act like or think like a psychological being that's longing for spiritual experiences. Mm. Uh, and so what people are doing is they're, they're looking to be freed up from the psychology of who they are. You can be free of that just by making the shift that you're a spiritual being having psychological experiences. Wayne, Wayne Dyer touched on this a little bit when he said there's a spiritual solution to, to every problem. Well, what he was really saying in his own way is, is that, this, that the dimension that the soul and spirit live in is the present. And so what he's saying is that the present is a solution for every problem. Well, how is that possible? Because most problems are past tense. Mm. They're coming from an ancient place. So mm. you could change that language around and say that presence is a solution to every problem because most problems are past tense. But um yeah. But 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 what's also being sold and needs to be kind of talked about and dialogued about is is that human beings don't have to suffer and I I think I wrote you something here today that said that would be like walking on the beach and saying you don't have to leave a footprint. Mm-hmm. That literally the journey of the human condition is the fact that you know you are here and that you know that you're alive is that there is some friction in the process. Uh, if there were no friction, then you wouldn't be in this body. You know, like it'd be like trying to eat your food without chewing it. Uh, uh-huh. There, there, there are certain mm-hmm. there are certain rules of the human experience that are kind of given. You know, and the fact that you're um, you're here because of friction. You live in a universe that's built on friction, uh, that life itself is a pendulum of friction, uh, that you're not trying to get to some glorious place where there isn't any friction. It's what you're, mm-hmm. what you're wanting to do is get in sync with it rather, mm-hmm. than, rather than be in opposition to it. And, uh, but what we're being taught, sadly, in many, many communities is, is that we're to pick a side to polarize on, on the on the paradox of life or death, I choose life. Well, you can't choose life and act like death doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. And you can't choose death and act like life isn't happening. 
You have mm-hmm. to choose them both simultaneously, and this is the point. You know mm-hmm. that we that what mm-hmm. the ego tends to do is, is is to polarize into one side of this, and and so these are the these are the tricks of the of the motivational speakers, and this is the the language of much of the spiritual stuff that's being taught. I, I, I'd like to think that um, well, I know that the soul's intent is coming from an integrous place because it's coming from inside of us, from us. As we mm-hmm. were as we were in our worst possible moment, which is amputation and quadriplegia and, and near death kind of experiences, and um, and so it's not uh, woo woo ish and it's not ethereal, it's not beyond reach. It's uh, there is a context for it all. It makes perfect sense if you sit down and dialogue about it with somebody who knows how to do that with you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Boy, those are are such good points. If we could just make that shift of knowing that we are a spiritual being having psychological experiences. Yeah. End of story. Could... End of story. There's end no paradox. End of story yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. There's no, there's no paradox. Or I'm a psychological yeah. being having spiritual experiences would be the opposite of that. And we already mm-hmm. know what's happening with that choice. We are in psychological trouble in this culture mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. we think it's it's uh, it's one or the other, and the one that we've chosen, at least in the past twenty or thirty years, is that we are psychological beings longing for spiritual connection to something larger than mm-hmm. ourselves. I mean, how could we in two thousand sixteen be still beating around the question that the world doesn't revolve around me? How can mm-hmm. we still be beating that around? Well, narcissism is how. Yeah. Narcissism is how, yeah. and so and so we've made a shift in the culture to build uh, self-esteem and self-worth uh, on a false foundation, and and we don't really realize that has happened until we begin to try to find some real authentic sense of ourselves. And now, oh my gosh, we have to look at the false foundation at that point, and uh, that's mm-hmm. that's scary for a lot of folks. But um, but it's all a process to say that you're more than the psychology of who you are is an understatement. So say if somebody was able to make that shift, which a lot of people can and have, the shift of I'm a spiritual being having psychological experiences, you still have to deal with the fact that you are having psychological experiences. Yes, yes. Yeah. And and that's where some of the well a lot of the work comes in because there's not a whole lot of work of just being in your soul the soul just is, so the work comes in with the understanding that I am having psychological experiences that are preventing me from arriving into my life fully to be fully incarnated. Yeah, but watch this, Armand. It's even deeper than that. If I'm a spiritual being having psychological experiences then by accepting that profound truth, I am also accepting the profound truth that I have a built-in navigational system for that world. Mm-hmm. If I choose that I am a psychological being longing for spiritual experiences, then my navigational system is the ego and the collective culture. One implies the navigational ability is inside me. The other one implies it's outside of me. So you're really, you're really making the shift you know that uh if if you make the shift to an integrous idea of what it means to be a spiritual being living a psychological life then you're also uh embracing that yeah and you have a valid compass for that 
that is inside you and is working and is on. So the psychological challenge is how do I put the ego back in its real station, its real place, which is the outside compass, which is it's perfect at being an outside compass, but internally move it to its to its real station, which is part of a uh, of a component of three or four other pieces, which is the soul, mm-hmm. the spirit, and the heart. And mm-hmm. and when you do that, then the heart is reinstalled as the compass. The ego is one of many players, and and then and then there's a symbiotic. Uh, relationship is taking place be- between those, and now your inner voice or voices uh, is is operating with those particular lens of perception. So your capacity to navigate your inner life has just been turned on its ear. You see, yeah, many yeah. People, many I people do are, see. Yeah, I many do, people are walking yeah. around with with no navigational, thinking they have no no capacity to navigate their inner lives or even have connection to their inner lives. They they have that. Uh, problem because they've been convinced by the ego or the collective ego that they don't have the capacity to mm-hmm. save them, to save them from themselves. Yeah, yeah. And and yeah. that and and you got to and that's a pretty big program. You talk about a bar on a cage. That's a major. Mm-hmm. That's a major thing for the the personal and collective ego to convince you you don't have the capacity to save yourself from yourself. Mm-hmm. And. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but then the yeah. guy up front says he can. <laughs> well, that's the whole thing. And and yeah. when you when you can and do make that shift, what happens is the realization of if I'm truly living with this shift of I am a spiritual being having psychological experiences, and I have a um, an HPS, a human positioning system to to help me navigate my way through life based on that understanding that I'm a a spiritual being having psychological experiences, that shift, the realization that happens in that shift is I can't follow the guy up front now because it's up to me. It's up to me to turn inwards and follow, follow what's true for me. And that, you know, it depends on when you make that shift, it can really shake things well, up. Well, it's funny, as you, as you were sitting here, you know, using the word shift, <laughs> and I'm using the word shift, why are we even using the word? Because yeah, watch this. <laughs> yeah, because, because watch this. Uh, you know, Irma, what we need to do to to shift from a spiritual being, or I mean, sorry, shift to a, psycholog- a, a spiritual being having psychological experiences, what we have to do to make that shift is realize that the world isn't flat. Mm. And uh, and that isn't a sh- that isn't a shift. That's a truth. <laughs> and so and so, isn't it funny that even in our conversation today, as if we have to make a shift, uh-huh. when really uh-huh. all we have to do is honor the truth. We are spiritual beings. How do we know this? We come into the world as a burst of light, which is the the creation of a human soul, and that intelligence that is that burst of light. Stays in place and kind of organizes our cells into organs, and then and then kind of animates the body. The longer it is with us, and we are with it, but it stays in in place, so to speak, out of our awareness for almost three years, and then we get disconnected from it when we take on ego and personality. So we know we're spiritual beings because in the chicken and egg question, it came first. The psychology of who we are did not come first. <laughs> the soul came first. And so that's the end of debate. 
There's nothing else to say mm-hmm. beyond that. And so and so we mm-hmm. don't have to get up tomorrow and say, well, you know, I, I need to I need to drive to Ohio or where you are in Chicago. I need to drive to Indiana and just see if the world is see if I fall off the edge. You know, mm-hmm. if you have to test that theory, you've got a psychological problem mm-hmm. because you can't see the truth. Mm-hmm. And if you drive mm-hmm. a thousand miles from where you call your home and you still think the world is flat and you haven't fallen off the edge and you don't accept the world is round, you've got a psychological problem. And this is this is and, and we're wondering why we don't have integrity. Yeah. We don't yeah. even we don't even trust our own reality testing. Well yeah. And this is and this is what you have to do. I mean, if you're gonna get out of the cage that is the human ego and the collective ego, then you have to test your hypothesis about what you think is true. And you have to move through your fears and move through uh, those those beliefs and that conditioning to – and then once you do the reality test, accept it as valid mm-hmm. and not be talked out of it. I mean imagine that somebody could talk you out of the world being being round. I mean is that really possible? Mm-hmm. Can you – be talked out of that. <laughs> hmm. and, uh, yeah. But that's really, really interesting because we kind of both were just doing that as we're talking about making a shift. That's, I mean, I'll just speak for myself. That is that ego um, protection that um, kind of uh, can take over to to say that a shift even needs to happen. Well, well, yeah, it isn't. It isn't a shift. It's the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and so, but but the why we have to, but why we tend to use the word is is that nobody is allowed to say they have a proverbial truth. Well, I didn't. You know, I didn't make a soul come into the into existence as a burst of light. That's the way it is. That's mm-hmm. what happens. You know, and uh, and I didn't give that soul its intelligence to organize cells into organs and animate this body and continue to guide and and witness our lives from a neutral position as this above observer. And I didn't make it connected to everything that is and, and pretty much everything that will ever be, which is life itself. I didn't do all that, but those are realities. Mm-hmm. And uh, where where all that gets contaminated, though, is people are afraid to say some of these truths are actually the truth. That we all come into the world the same way, which is spiritual beings forced to live a psychological life. Now, how do we know? How do we know that that uh, that that is true later on? I was listening to somebody talk the other day about turning forty. It was a couple of actresses talking. What is it about forty? You know, and they said, well, you know what? You just stop. You just stop worrying about stuff at forty. You just let let go of a bunch of things. You know what? This is who I am. You either like me or you don't. And it was just funny to listen to the conversation, but why 40? Why not 20, you see? Mm-hmm. And, and of course, the, the real answer is 40 or 35 to 45, actually, because my time left equals the time I've been here. That's why. Mm-hmm. So, we're mm-hmm. kind of, so our own mortality or lack of it uh, is, is, you know, now comes into question. So, so that teaches us something about the human ego. We can't get the, the ego's attention until... Uh, we are in a transition that matters, that really, really matters. And what's this one? Life or death? Time. Mm-hmm. Time's yeah. the, time is the leveling, is, the, is that quality that is kind of lays the playing field out for everybody. Everybody's at the mercy of time. And so what happens at 40s? You don't want to waste anymore. 
Mm-hmm. And so all all I want to do with the soul's intent is essentially say to people that, yeah, and so not only do you don't have to waste it, you can slow it down. You can embrace time in a totally different kind of way uh, yeah. because because from the soul's perspective, you've been here for just a minute, just a mm-hmm. minute. And, and the soul was patiently waiting for you to be fully here to embrace this yeah. existence that we call life. And it's uh, and, and, and the blood, sweat, and tears of what that means, not just all the wonderful birth cakes and bubbles that people talk about. I'm wondering, I'm wondering if we can live in that truth that somewhere within all of us, we, we, we must sense that truth, even if, you know, we have built up um, that that prison of the ego as protector and warden somewhere we we sense and know that truth. So even if we can let down the prison that we built ourselves, if we can let that down and and enter that place of love, truth, and freedom, aren't we still um, kind of confronted with the collective? Yes. Of course, um, yes. ego, the collective warden. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the collective um, culture. Yeah. yeah, of course, and and yeah. so and yeah. so the 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 spiritual solution to that is uh, what you and I have talked about before is building the bridge between those two worlds. I mean, you mm-hmm. you uh, you you've got to build a bridge between uh, being in the world and being of the world. This is the this is the dilemma. And when we're younger, you see, we we want very much to be in the world because we're trying to establish identity and and direction and goals and and all those kinds of things. Uh, But as you get older, it's like, you know, I want to be in the world, but not of the world. There's a separation uh, that happens when you get older that that you'd like to be able to move back and forth between those two dimensions of ego and and soul or ego and spirit. And, uh, And so it's a developmental process to get there. You're letting go of all the worldly things you concerned yourself with as you're preparing for actual physical death. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, and and so literally, it's a it's a process of letting go, and and so we begin to let go at midlife. That's when the letting go process really kind of begins. Mm-hmm. And so, I think what I think what I'm trying to teach and get people to understand with the soul's intent is you can do it sooner than that, just simply by having an internal life. Imagine how much more evolved we would be as people if human beings began to get this connection to this internal dimension I'm describing to you. Uh, in young adulthood, mm-hmm. rather than waiting yeah, all the yeah. way to midlife, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. that the people between the, the ages of eighteen and twenty five, eighteen and thirty, uh, they can they can embrace this internal dimension uh, is valid, uh, embrace that the world is round, and that they, mm-hmm. uh, and begin to see themselves as spiritual animals in a psychological kind of universe or psychological planet, if you will. And, and then decide uh, which compass they're going to live their lives by. And uh, look what happens to human beings. Uh, we begin to evolve. As far as yeah. I'm concerned, we're stuck in a 2,600-year-old time loop at this point. We're still oh, beat, yeah. we're oh, still yeah. beating around things that we we really know the answers to, but the collective yeah. ego is so powerful that we're still caught in the loop. Mm-hmm. And so, so I'm I'm hoping that with the soul's intent and with the other future things that I'm going to be doing as far as teaching about this is that we kind of get people to dialogue about this in a different kind of way, uh, instead of the standard ways of talking about it, and get some of the terminology and some of the context for it really, really clear. Uh, mm-hmm. And you don't have to believe any of it; uh, you can know it. <laughs> 
ahead and choose if you want to continue to live your life based upon what you know. Mm-hmm. You know, and and yeah. which is totally different than living your life based on what you believe. Well, yeah, and you can do your own reality test with it. Yeah, and and see see what you come up with. Yeah, Absolutely. because certainly what you what you are bringing in your teachings is not here's another set of beliefs. Here's something else for you to believe in. You're just not kind of pointing people back to what is true and what is natural in them. You're not bringing forth another set of beliefs. And that's what I love about um, what what you do and, and what your teaching is. Well, and it's not profound to say that, you know, how you think is how you feel and that, you know, that you're your own worst enemy and that uh, all you need to do to live a happy life is get out of your own way. These are the buzzwords and the catchphrases that all these all these speakers, inspirational speakers are using. That That's all fine and good. Those are just little tricky ways to manipulate the ego to the next stage of being unconscious. If you want to get into a place of uh, of having some clear subjective experience of this existence without contamination, then you got to show up and be present for that subjective experience and not drag all the past tense stuff along with you. And so there's a there's a, there's a letting go of some of the psychology of who you think you are to become who you really are, and you're letting go of it because it's invalid, and you know it's invalid because it's causing you grief, it's causing you some kind of angst. And remember mm-hmm. that the angst is happening for a reason to self-correct, mm-hmm. to get you to wake yeah. up to the present moment uh, for life as it is instead of instead of how it should be or could be. And then realize that that place that is, is actually a real dimension you can choose to live in, which is fueled by what we call love, truth, and freedom, which are just dimensional mm-hmm. words for the same energy, uh, which is spiritual integrity. What what I want people, and I think we're down t- towards the end of the show, but what I want people to get from this this little talk tonight is this idea that 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 we're hurting in this in this country right now and in this world really for what real integrity is. Well, spiritual integrity, mm-hmm. spiritual integrity is when you stop doing self deception. So before you can demand integrity in the world from your leaders and your community uh, folks, whoever they may be, your corporations, even your president. You have to stop doing self-deception first and, and, and know what the compass for that integrity is uh, before you're going to see integrity in the world. And so, of course, the, mm-hmm. the soul's intent is that we somehow embody that and then begin to live that. And certainly we'll be a higher functioning human beings if we pull that off. I do want to add one thing, Ernie, before, before we close the show, and it's so important, and, and I feel so passionate about this. One of the biggest things you're going to offer is a chance for people to have dialogue about this particular, this particular subject tonight and many, many more, that there really hasn't been a platform created for that, and you're creating that platform. So I really want to invite people to step forward and enter that dialogue with you. Thank you for being a part of The Soul's Intent with author, psychologist, and spiritual teacher, Ernie Vecchio. This is the show that can open your mind to things you never thought possible. While problems manifest psychospiritually, on a most essential level, there exists an energy component that provides the instructions for these fields to enter awareness. And The Soul's Intent is here to help you learn what these instructions are. Join us each week to learn how there is a physical place of love, truth, and freedom, and how in an instant, learn that moving to such a place is actually a choice.